0: Doctor, Doc. you gotta give us some good news. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, Destination Devi listeners. This is Week Two. This is Jeff Mueller, Doctor of Physical Therapy, your host for the Destination Devi Injuries Pod. We had a rough week last week, both from an injury standpoint and just from a standpoint of several offenses stinking it up. It seemed like majority of the NFL just didn't want to show up to Week One, and we felt the impact from a ton of studs who provided underwhelming numbers. We also lost two huge fantasy producers in J.K. Dobbins and Aaron Rodgers to Achilles injuries, as well as Deontay Johnson to hamstring injuries and a couple others that we'll talk on uh, coming up. These soft tissue injuries have been ramping up too. Uh, my guess is that, you know, I've had a lot of questions lately about this. My guess is that a lot of these players didn't get a ton of preseason play or ramp up, and now that they have been had to uh, ramp up their training leading up to week one, then thrown into high snap counts week one. They're dealing with these tissue deformations that they just weren't prepared for. So my guess is, you know, I would say as of right now, just hang in there, obviously, with all these injuries. I won't be surprised if we actually see some of these soft tissue injury counts start to drop around week four or five, as a lot of players acclimate to workloads, to snap counts, to routes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, getting hit. Um, I think it's just an acclimation period, and yeah, hopefully throughout the rest of the season, we won't deal with as many soft tissue injuries. It sure seems high uh, compared to past years. So just hang in there. Aside from that, uh, there have been a couple of other little surprises as the week has gone on, especially that dropped today. I'll touch on those. So I'll do my best to guide you through these injuries and give you the key intel that you'll need to know leading up to locking your starting rosters on Sunday morning and getting some DFS injuries um, sent in. All right, let's dive into the week's injuries. At quarterback, so Joe Burrow, he did, he's not dealing with a new injury, but I wanted to touch on him because there was a pretty interesting article. Um, I, I can't remember exactly who wrote it. I think it was Matt Harmon or someone over at Reception Perception, but they were basically talking about his calf injury. He originally suffered it July 27th, missed five weeks, got back to camp, um, or got back, back into practice, and he actually hasn't even been – uh, on the injury report, but the article detailed some concerning passing metrics from Burrow from week one, in particular, a struggle to push the ball downfield. I don't know if he was simply struggling with being out of rhythm after missing extensive time in camp, or if the calf is actually still bothering him. He remains off of the injury report, though, and it also honestly could have just been the Cleveland Browns' defense is wildly underrated at the current moment, uh, and they have that new D.C. Jim Schwartz at the helm, so, I, you know... Who knows? Could, could the calf injury actually be bothering him still? Maybe. I feel like he would be on the injury report if it was, though. Or the Bengals would be a little more cautious with him. Uh, it'll be curious to see how this plays out, though. And it's, it's really hard to sit Joe Burrow in fantasy. The Ravens are a decent matchup, too. And I think I saw uh, Marlon Humphrey is out this week. So, that's a little boost to the, the Bengals' offense there. So let's just hope this is a get-right matchup for Joe Burrow. Now, I will say, I don't have it on the list for later on. I will say taking the under on Joe Burrow's rushing yards at under 11.5 yards is very, very tempting. It's just a hard one because, you know, he could scramble one rush for 12 yards, 13 yards, and and hit the over. So that one is very tempting. Considering Just taking into consideration, is the calf actually still bothering him? Uh, But I'm personally staying away from that one. CJ Stroud, he popped up on the injury report on Friday with right shoulder soreness. Uh, Late addition to the injury report, he reportedly was dealing with soreness of his throwing shoulder on Friday and got very limited practice in. The team is likely trying to reduce his workload leading up to game time. So I won't be surprised if Stroud actually will be able to play on Sunday. My guess is that he's feeling a lot better today and then likely again tomorrow morning pregame. Probably more of a situation of okay, the the Texans going up to Stroud and asking, okay, how's it feeling? How's it doing? Uh, and monitoring that closely. I'm really curious though, and if you know, I I'm even though I'm a biomechanics expert, uh, I'm not a throwing mechanics expert in terms of high level professional quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, we have seen some really good uh, breakdowns like J.T. O'Sullivan and and some other guys out there. Uh, even even Matt Harmon, he's doing quarterback breakdowns now. I'm really curious on this part of I'm wondering if Stroud is struggling with some type of mechanics issue that we kind of saw Trey Lance deal with when he found out or when we found out that he was dealing with some arm arm fatigue, arm soreness after extensive throwing. At some point, I'll go and watch Stroud play and see if I can spot anything. But this one is it's just something to monitor as the season goes on. I'd be really curious if there's any experts out there that – that pinpoint some type of mechanic, some type of issue going on with Stroud, where eh, that could that could lead to some shoulder soreness, shoulder, you know, some mechanics where he's just utilizing his arm, his rotator cuff a little bit too much, and it's leading to fatigue. The only the only weird part about that though is that you know I believe he threw fifty four pass attempts or 42, um, f- sorry, forty two, sorry 44 or forty two pass attempts on Sunday. Um, You know, I would I would have expected if this was an issue from throwing volume, I would have expected to hear about this on, say, Tuesday or Wednesday. And he popped up on Friday onto the report. So I don't know if he fell. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but just something to monitor. Uh, It sounds like there's a chance he could play either way. I think I like Nico, Nico Collins in a solid matchup. You know, even if Davis Mills is the quarterback, I I would think Mills kind of kind of hones in on Nico in this matchup. Um, so yeah, that's just one, one to consider if you need a wide receiver three, four option, uh, especially if Stroud's active, I think Nico's still fine to play. You know, he saw 11 targets in week one and I actually like his over. I'll talk about Nico, Nico over for betting for DFS later at running back Austin Eckler. He was dealing with a high ankle sprain. He's actually now been listed as out, which makes sense. Eckler wasn't even uh, traveling with the team. And he didn't practice all week. Uh, he, he posted a cryptic video about, you know, being patient. Kind of kind of um, assumed that would miss this week. So now Joshua Kelly slides in at worst, in my opinion, as a running back two for fantasy, though many have brought up that Tennessee is one of the toughest matchups due to their run defense and Herbert is more likely to lean heavily on the pass. Key variables I'm looking at here, Kellen Moore still loves to run the ball. And behind Joshua Kelly, they don't have many great options. Kelly graded out as the sixth best rusher per PFF in Week 1, and the Titans only had three players across their entire defense to perform in the top 30 of their respective positions in run defense. So Joshua Kelly, in my opinion, is a volume-based play here against a team that will likely struggle to keep up, considering DeAndre Hopkins is likely out, and the Titans O-line is one of the worst in the league. I'm not shying away as, as much as most are from playing Joshua Kelly. Uh, I think he's going to be a volume-based uh, running back two at worst with a great chance to score a touchdown, too. Brees Hall, my offseason work started off with a bang in week one when Brees Hall was one of the most efficient running backs of the week, putting up 147 yards on 11 touches in his first game back from ACL. The upside here is that he did all of that with Zach Wilson at quarterback. The downside here is that Zach Wilson remains his quarterback. Uh, this Dallas Cowboys defense is no joke with a legit argument to be better than a 49ers defense here. Um, as much as I hate to say that, Cowboys defense is not to be reckoned with. Robert Sala also stated that Hall will remain on snap count this week, despite Hall telling him mid-game last week that he can handle more. They're being extra cautious with him. It makes sense. I'm not 100% thrilled about the matchup. Um, and I'm not overly thrilled about the volume that Hall will get. You know, he saw he had only 11 touches week one. But again, if you play Hall this week, you're, you're once again banking on elite efficiency in a much tougher matchup than Buffalo was. If, if there's any player who could do it, it's Hall. So I wouldn't blame you if you played him as a flex option and hoped basically for running back two, uh, running back two numbers with upside. He really is a boom bust option this week. I, I don't think he's going to be a legit. Weekly running back one until about week five, week six. So this week, it's a tough matchup. Just, just probably a coin flip. You know, go with your gut. If you have a solid pivot with a much better off, uh, much better matchup this week, consider that. But yeah, Hall Hall obviously because of his efficiency per touch, he's hard to sit at this point. Even though it's only a second game back. Zach Moss, he's coming off that arm fracture. Uh, He will be active. He's actually off the injury report. And there's speculation that he will slide right back into the running back one role, which would be great considering Deion Jackson was absolutely atrocious in that role. Jackson saw, now even though he was atrocious, he saw a massive workload. He saw a um, high-end running back one volume and utilization, oddly enough, with 59 snaps, running 29 routes, seeing six targets for a 16.2% target share. 13 carries, and then he also had 13 red zone snaps. So if Moss is taking over this role, especially with Anthony Richardson playing the way he is, I like Moss as a volume-based running back, two with upside to score in a decent matchup against Houston. If I knew for certain Moss was going to get the majority of the workload as running back one for for the Colts, uh, I'd have Moss over Joshua Kelly this week. I'm actually still tempted to just place him there over Joshua Kelly because... Of the presumed workload, but again, we, we just we don't hundred percent know. It's just speculation. Um, and then, and then Indianapolis. I mean, I I would bet that the Chargers have a better better rushing day than Indianapolis does. Um, so probably a coin flip. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't hate taking Zach Moss over Joshua Kelly at this point because of the matchup. Uh, but yeah, probably more of a coin flip there. Aaron Jones, he's coming off the hamstring strain. He is likely out. He didn't practice all week, and the Packers actually just elevated Patrick Taylor to their roster, which is generally a sign. He's a running back, if you don't know who Patrick Taylor is. Generally a sign that they will be without Aaron Jones. Um, He is the kind of guy who can show up Sunday and and play, wind up playing through it, but, yeah, my gut says he's out. I would recommend playing A.J. Dillon, but I'd be more excited about him if he was actually a good running back. The upside here is that Dylan would likely get the volume, probably somewhere between 14 to 18 rush attempts with two to four targets, if I were to guess. Uh, so if he can ram his way forward through the Falcons' defense, then he might wind up being a good enough running back to play. I could see him having the kind of game where he puts up underwhelming yardage totals, but winds up scoring a touchdown or two to pay off for you in fantasy. I personally prefer Zach Moss and Joshua Kelly over A.J. Dylan, uh, though that one could also bite me in the butt. But for volume purposes... Uh, again, I, this is more of a coin flip. In my opinion, A.J. Dillon, Zach Moss, Joshua Kelly, all kind of in that same tier of volume-based plays who could wind up being solid running back twos on the week. James Conner, he's coming off a calf injury. He did get a full participation in on Friday and is reportedly good to go. Last I looked, it didn't look like he even had a game designation, so it sounds like he's for sure going to play. He's, again, one of those volume play guys against a very bad defense. I don't love the idea of playing Connor, but considering he gets over 70% of the rushing, the running back rushing workload, 16% target share last game, um, he doesn't provide necessarily a high ceiling because it's Arizona, but he probably provides at least a volume-based decent floor. So, and, again, he plays the Giants. So probably safe, relatively safe to place him in as a running back two on the week. At... Wide receiver Jerry Judy, he's coming off the hamstring strain. Judy is expected to play now. He's about three and a half weeks out from his hamstring strain. There's mixed reports here. There was a beat writer that said Judy is expected to be on limited snaps, but then Sean Payton stated he doesn't think Judy will need to be on limited snaps. I'm kind of torn on this one because the way Payton has handled some injuries, I th- I think he just throws caution to the wind. And if Judy winds up getting overworked, he still carries close to a 15% re-injury risk. Uh, so if he's not on a limited snap basis. Let's just hope he doesn't get re-injured. Now, typically there is a production dip coming off the hamstring strain, but again, looking at how Peyton handles injuries, Judy might wind up sliding right back into his primary receiving role and seeing six to eight targets right off the bat. As Josh Larkey brought up on on Twitter or X at Larky tweets, Sutton tied, Cortland Sutton tied Adam Troutman, with a 14.7% target share, which is abysmal for a team's wide receiver one, and that was in a relatively nice matchup. Judy could wind up sliding right back into a 20 to 22% target share, even if he's on limited snaps. Uh, So I would say I've kind of turned my opinion on uh, Judy here. I'm throwing caution to the wind with Sean Payton, and actually considering Judy is at least a wide receiver three flex option with upside, considering... It just just hopefully assuming and banking on even if he's on limited snaps when Judy's on the on the field he's hopefully getting the ball this is one of the more risky plays though I would avoid Jerry Judy at cost in DFS Christian Watson he's also dealing with a hamstring strain uh, he's questionable for the second week he was a did not participate Wednesday Thursday and then got a limited participation in on Friday my guess is he'll still be out um, AJ Terrell will likely be on romeo dobbs most of the game and he graded out as a top 12 coverage cornerback in week one he's legit he's a lockdown corner uh dobbs could wind up being love's primary target especially in the end zone he he had two he had four catches for i think 26 yards and two touchdowns last game so kind of like last game you're banking on these touchdowns to to bail you out if you're playing romeo dobbs in dfs or weekly if you're hoping for a high ceiling I don't think he's going to get the yardage. I don't think he's going to get a ton of volume, especially with that coverage. Uh, and I would much rather just, I'd, I'd prefer to target Luke Musgrave out of this passing attack. The Falcons' main coverage linebacker uh, is hurt, and Musgrave could take advantage there. Musgrave's utilization was very promising in week one for weekly top 12 numbers. He led all tight ends in week one with 72 air yards and had 14.8% target share on an 18 18- yard a dot in his first game as a rookie tight end. So I'm starting Musgrave. I'm considering Romeo Dobbs, but I'd really prefer to just sit Romeo Dobbs, avoid him due to the matchup. Uh, I'm fine starting Musgrave, and I'll talk on Musgrave later. I actually love Musgrave in DFS. Deontay Johnson, he is also dealing with hamstring strain. So many hamstring injuries, uh, even more to come. But uh, he was uh, did not participate all week. I am projecting Johnson to be out this week leaving potential volume for Allen Robinson, who led the team in receiving last week. Most will probably flock to George Pickens, though. I will talk on him in a second. Um, Pickens, if active, will likely see very tough coverage from Denzel Ward uh, and probably um, Ward and Greg Newsome. Uh, so my guess is Johnson's volume will probably be picked up more so by a mixture of Allen Robinson, Pat Friermuth, and maybe Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin likely sees more more work At this moment, though, without more information, I'd prefer to leave it as Pat Friermuth as a key tight end play and Allen Robinson as a wide receiver for deep flex option. I think Allen Robinson will actually be very serviceable. Uh, Even though you hear his name, you think, gross, I don't want to play Allen Robinson. He's actually got a decent matchup here. Calvin Austin is the one I'm not sure on. He, He seems like a low A-dot, low ceiling type of option, but considering matchup differences, there's the chance that Pittsburgh will decide to use Calvin Austin downfield a little bit more. Last week, they didn't get a chance to because of the 49ers matchup. But again, I don't, I don't necessarily think the Browns will give um, this O-line and, and Kenny Pickett time to throw downfield any more than the 49ers allowed. So I think Calvin Austin is more of a, I'm, I'm viewing him as a low A-dot, low ceiling kind of guy, um, and Allen Robinson more so as the possession receiver type guy. Now, George Pickens, he popped up, he was limited in practice on Saturday with a hamstring injury. He was added late to the injury report, though he was not given a game designation. It sounds like he is going to play, uh, but he was already a fade for me, again, because of likely facing Greg Newsome, Denzel Warden coverage. He has probably the toughest matchup out of these receiving options for the Steelers. So I would personally sit Pickens. He's very much a boom-bust play. Maybe he gets four catches for, you know, 60 yards if he breaks off a 30-, 40-yard catch. Um, but yeah, this one, I would, I would just prefer to target Pat Friermuth and Allen Robinson. Puka Nakua. Oh, you guys use all your fab right before the Rams play the Niners. And then Puka Nakua pops up on the injury report with an oblique injury on Thursday. Unlikely to be from Sunday's game. Uh, most likely he dealt with something Wednesday, dealt with something Thursday that, that led to an oblique injury. Um. It sounds like he's going to play. The good news is that he's expected to play, and it really shouldn't impact his production too extensively. The problems could arise if he suffers a restrain while reaching for a high pass, or maybe he gets hit on that side right on the muscle belly. Um, Gets really sore, painful. It can limit you if if it starts to swell, if it starts to spasm, tighten up. It could limit his running ability, separation ability. And again, he's got a really tough matchup against the Niners. Um, But again... If, if active, we have to consider that he is going to be a volume-based play. So I, I'm still viewing him, even with all those red flags, I'm viewing him as a boom-bust wide receiver two option with high volume upside. We know Matt Stafford, when when he hones in on a receiver, that's the guy he's going to throw to. So even if Puka's limited, I could still see him getting 10, 12 targets this week, um, which actually makes me really consider his underdog props. I'll talk on him later for both yards and receptions. But uh, for fantasy purposes, for starting lineup purposes, consider him a boom-bust wide receiver two option. If you spent your fab, you probably feel like you have to play him. You're probably dealing with other injuries as well. So most likely you have to play him. But just know the ceiling possibly isn't as high this week. Devonta Parker, he's still dealing with a knee injury. I do not believe he's going to play. Uh, He remains questionable, but I think he's going to be out this week. Which leaves another pretty good pretty good matchup pretty good defense uh matchup here for Kendrick Bourne as a solid cheap wide receiver option and a very nice matchup against the defense that just got shredded by the Chargers um, I hate chasing points but I'm actually going to chase points here with Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne both in starting lineups and as cheap stacks for DFS purposes um, Bill O'Brien he let Mac Jones rip it and I think on DFS, I have the numbers later on, but I think it, Mac Jones' numbers are only something like 243.5 passing yards. Um, I could see him. Pats are, even though the Pats' defense is really good, I think they're still going to have to um, play catch-up here, at least keep passing the ball. So I could see Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne uh, being pretty good options this week. DeAndre Hopkins, he's dealing with a high ankle sprain. He is out. Uh left high ankle sprain, and he didn't practice all week. I would expect Traylon Burks to slide in as the wide receiver one option and likely lead in a target share against a defense that just got shredded by Miami. Now, I don't think we can view this in the same light as Miami lighting up the Chargers' defense because Miami play calling, offensive line play, quarterback play, and wide receiver play are all extensively better than Tennessee. This Tennessee offense is trash. Uh, Ryan Tannehill doesn't look good. The offensive line is one of the worst in the league. So, I, Traylon Burks, he's probably going to be the wide receiver one. I'm still viewing him as a wide receiver three flex option with potential to boom, but again, that bust potential. I could see him getting four catches for 60 yards if, he, if he's able to get one downfield. Um, I actually think I actually like Chig Oconquo as a better play here. Of note, Chig ran 30 routes in week one, but he only saw two targets. I think he winds up seeing a bigger share this week. And actually, Tannehill just missed him. Chick, Chick probably could have had a 60-yard touchdown last week if Tannehill didn't overthrow him by about five yards. Uh, I, I like that matchup a little bit better than Traylon Burks just because I personally think there's other better wide receiver options uh, out there. And then for DFS purposes, Burks is on a little more of the expensive side. Brandon Cooks, he was did not participate all week and a true game-time decision. Uh, while they say that, I'm projecting Cooks to be out. MCL Sprains are no joke. He's probably going to struggle to run routes, change direction, all that. I'm really not sure who this benefits, though. I spent some time. It could be Michael Gallup. could be Jake Ferguson. My hope is that Dallas just funnels more targets towards CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard, and then we can ignore the rest. As for Cooks, if he's somehow active, I would recommend sitting Cooks for this week and avoiding for DFS. Amari Cooper, he popped up on the injury report on Saturday with a groin strain. Uh, Browns play Monday night, and Amari was added to the report Saturday. So I had marked him as a monitor after he did the splits in Game 1 while trying to catch a ball, Uh, but he was able to return to the game. It sounds like he actually re-injured that groin today in practice. Um, When that happens, late additions – Uh, I think I saw Adam Hutchinson posted this, about 65% of players with late additions to the injury report don't wind up playing. The re-injury risk is high here, and the Browns play on Monday night. So unless you have a really good pivot option who plays Monday at some point, uh, in in that case, you could probably wait it out on Amari Amari Cooper and see if he's active. Otherwise, if you don't, if you have a good option that plays on Sunday, play the safe game, I would rather sit Amari Cooper in that scenario and play your your player who has um, less re-injury risk, less risk, and for sure playing on Sunday. At tight ends, Darren Waller, he's been the talk of town uh, this week as we found out that his injury is less of a hamstring strain. It's more of a nerve issue. So Waller was a limited participant all week, but actually was taken off the injury report uh, most people are viewing this as a true hamstring strain, but it sounds like more of a neural tension, hamstring tightness situation, which is a better situation than what Cooper Cup is currently dealing with. The downside is that if Waller attempts to open it up and run deep routes, his nerve could get irritated, and that if the nerve gets irritated, the hamstrings typically tighten and try to restrain, try to protect the nerve, and that can be what what can lead to a hamstring strain. So... We just kind of have to hope my best recommendation would be to play Darren Waller and just kind of hope that that scenario doesn't play out where he he's able to stay healthy all year. He gets the neural tension issue dealt with over these next couple weeks. He's not he's no longer limited in practice. He's able to be a full go. I think he can get there. There There's some injury analysts who believe that this is going to for sure linger throughout all year. I would argue that if they know any work about neural tension, that that can't. That isn't necessarily always the case. You can work on the back. You can work on neural tension. You can work on hip mobility. You can work on the hamstrings. That can go away. So we'll just have to play, play the season out and wait and see. Now, risk-wise, I don't think you should sit him. If active or, or when active, he provides a high upside tight end PPR option that a lot of these tight ends don't offer. Really an upside that only Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson uh, provide. So waller you're playing him and just hope he doesn't get a re-injury mark andrews he was upgraded to a full participation on friday and was reportedly expected to be able to play i had projected that he would be active for this game in a big division game last week was a fairly easy matchup Uh, this week against the Bengals, i think they're going to want him to be near full go and that's why they waited on him as long as he's active Don't overthink it. Start Mark Andrews. And let's just hope being active uh, helps Lamar Jackson's production as well. Now, I also don't think Andrews being active will lead to a production dip for Zay Flowers. In his very first NFL game, Flowers had a 45% target share with manufactured touches. Don't overthink this one as well. Start Zay Flowers. Start Mark Andrews. Flowers actually has a decent matchup uh, against a defense that just got attacked from the slot by Elijah Moore last week. I think Flowers will be a very solid bet. Travis Kelsey, he's coming off the hyperextension injury. He had a pretty funny video where he faked uh, limping and then started twerking. Kelsey, obviously the jokester. Uh, he, what, what do I need to say about Travis Kelsey? When he's active, you play him. Uh, if you If any of you out there are considering benching Travis Kelsey in fantasy football, you should be banned for life. Kylan Granson, he is dealing with a hamstring injury. He was also a late, late addition to the injury report on Saturday with a hamstring strain. He's now questionable. Again, these late additions, typically about 65% of them, don't wind up playing. Uh, kind of a bummer. Jordan Jordan he's talked about Kylan Granson is actually the only tight end who is in the 70th percentile in, I believe it was Target share, Air Yard share, and... There's another metric that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, he's a very interesting, very intriguing stash for the year, but for this week I would I would avoid him. Um, you probably weren't considering him for starting lineups, but for DFS purposes I would avoid him in DFS uh, just because of this hamstring strain. But consider stashing him in the leagues. Uh, favorite DV- DFS plays impacted by injuries and some just in general all on underdog. Nico Collins over 3.5 receptions. Again, I, th- I think I like this one. Whether or not C.J. Stroud is active, even if Davis Mills is the quarterback, uh, he's a he's a wide receiver one on the team, got more targets than Robert Woods. I think he can at least get four receptions in a very nice matchup against the Colts. Brock Purdy over 1.5 passing touchdowns. This is simply based on one pretty nice matchup against the Rams. Uh, two, Brock Purdy actually, and I'm Gosh, I hope I don't jinx this. Uh, he actually hasn't had an NFL start yet in the regular season where he has not thrown at least two touchdowns. So you're kind of banking on trend here. Puka Nakua, over four receptions. Risky, given the re-injury risk, but again, if active, he's probably going to see 10 to 12 targets. So you're banking on a 40% just to tie it. I, I love some of these where there's a little bit of risk, but they give you an even number so that if it ties, it just washes out. Um I, I like this. Even though it's against the Niners, I could see Puka getting at least five, six catches. Bijan Robinson, over three receptions. His utilization, even though Tyler Algier was um, heavily used in the rushing game, um, Bijan Robinson ran a ton of routes. He had a ton of targets. He had six catches last game. I think he can at least get three to tie, four to win this bet for you. Luke Musgrave, talked on him on the matchup. I love his over on 32.5 reception receiving yards. And the over on five point five five fantasy points. He's utilized downfield. His air yard share is insane for a tight end. He actually led the league. Um, His target share is fantastic. And Watson is still expected to be out. Zay Flowers over forty six point five receiving plus rushing yards. Um, His receiving. I like this one better than just receiving yards because, again, we saw manufactured touches. He's utilized in the in the uh, like jet sweeps. Uh, rushing game he had two rush attempts for nine yards and his receiving prop was 42.5 yards so you're even if he, you're, you're kind of banking on okay getting at least four rushing yards here he probably gets eight to ten if I were to guess if he's utilized in a similar way uh, but even then I could see him getting easily 56 50 to 60 receiving yards so I like the over on that one Zach Ertz over 3.5 receptions this is more of a volume play not one of my favorite plays because, again, he plays for Arizona, but I expect him to, to lead the team in targets again from Josh Dobbs and get at least four receptions. Jahan Dotson over 3.5 receptions. This one's a little risky just because, one, Denver has good defense, but I believe Pat Surtain is going to be on McLaurin. Uh, Dotson, you know, we saw Sam Howell spread the ball out a lot to all of his receivers, but Curtis Samuel was actually dealing with a hip injury, and I could see Dotson... Being relied on a little bit more. And I think I want to say he had five receptions last game. I could see him getting at least at least four against Denver. Logan Thomas over 24.5 receiving yards. I like this uh, matchup against Denver for him, getting at least 30 receiving yards. Uh, might might wind up with three, four receptions for 30, 40 yards. So I like the over on that one. Tua Tungavailoa, over 264.5 pass yards. Check, too. There's also a discount on his total yards, 271.5, I believe, on underdog, unless you've already taken it. Uh, I like this matchup against the Pats. They're probably going to run it a lot. Um, Yeah, I I like his – he had, what, 446 or 440-plus yards last game. I like this over. I think he gets at least 300 pass yards. Mac Jones, for the same reason. I think they're going to have to keep up with Miami. uh, Over 243.5 pass yards. I like this over, especially since we just saw Herbert kind of tear them apart, uh, tear apart the Dolphins. And then pairing that with Kendrick Bourne over 3.5 receptions, I, get, I again expect Devonta Parker to be out. I like Bourne for five, six receptions, so I think he can easily hit four. Rashid, Shaheed, I like his over. Given his utilization, given the targets he's likely to get, but mostly his, his utilization downfield, he could get. He, he, his, his line is 36.5 receiving yards. He could honestly get this in one to two receptions, um, given his utilization downfield. So I like this over. I think he gets at least three catches uh, for probably 40, 50 yards. So I like this over at 36.5 yards. That covers it. Uh, that, that covers all the main injuries as well this week. If you have any questions, please reach out in the Destination Debbie Players Injuries channel. And follow me on Twitter or X at jmthrivept for live updates as any injuries occur. And again, if you enjoyed the content, please retweet and share on Twitter. Thank you and good luck. Again, if you have any of these injury concerns, um, coin flip. If you Always go with your gut. Ultimately, it's going to be your decision on who you're playing, uh, starting, sitting, all that. So if you feel good about a matchup, go with your gut. Um, some of these injury risks, though, I, I, prefer, I personally prefer to avoid. And... As always, strategy. Any of your guys, if you have open IR slots, if any of your guys are lists out, slide them into your IR spot and pick up somebody Sunday morning for free. Because again, you don't, you never know. My my favorite is typically backup running backs, um, wide receivers who are you know check PFF for route utilization. Um, if someone's getting a lot of snaps, a lot of routes run, but not a lot of targets, and they're on waivers they're at least being utilized on the field and if any of their if any of the players above them get hurt their utilization goes up from a target share standpoint. So, free stash, put your guys on IR be active Sunday morning. Keep an eye on that and have fun with it. Thanks guys. Dr. Dr.